not called to meet together to gossip and slander and tell somebody else's business or look at somebody's new dress or new suit. We are called together regularly that we might encourage one another, sharpen one another. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you so much for joining us this time. Today, we're continuing the series, Encouragement for Discouraging Times. You know, if you were to ask a group of Christians why they go to church, you'd likely receive many different replies, like, for instance, well, I go to worship the Lord, or I like the messages I hear. One I hear a lot is, I attend so that I can find a place for my spiritual gift to be used. You know, these are all good responses, but one response not mentioned is a main reason the Bible gives for Christians coming together, that we might encourage one another. Christians need encouragement, and today in our series on encouragement, we're going to learn how to sharpen our skill at encouraging one another. So let's go right to the message and see what God's Word has to say. Now today I'm going to talk to you about how to encourage one another which is one of the great purposes of church. Hebrews 10:25. I'm reading out of the New King James Bible. And let's read it out loud together since it's only one verse. Are you ready? And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. What are we to do? One preacher said, we need to learn to one another one another. That's a kind of a funny way of saying we need to learn how to minister to each other. Now, I want to just pluck one word out of the verse we read, and that's the word encourage. If you have a King James Bible, it uses the word exhort instead. But since we all know the word encourage more than exhort, I'm just going to use encourage for the rest of the message. Now, encourage comes from a Greek word. Of course, all the New Testament comes from a Greek word, a little smattering of Latin. But it comes from a Greek word, and it's what you call a compound word. And I'm just going to tell you the Greek word so you can go out here and tell somebody you learned Greek in church. But here it is, because it's important we get this. The word encourage is the Greek word parakaleo. It's a compound word. Parakaleo. Para, the prefix, kaleo, the suffix. Here's what they mean. Para means to come alongside, to come alongside, to summon, to entreat, to admonish, and to comfort. Para, and to come alongside. Jesus in John 14 talked about the coming Holy Spirit, and he called the Holy Spirit the comforter. And when he used the word comforter, the Greek word he used was in the same family, not parakaleo, but parakletos, but it's the same family of word, parakletos. Now, para, again, means to come alongside. Parakletos, the word itself, an advocate, comforter, 
helper, intercessor, or consoler. Para means to come alongside. Kletos means to call out to somebody, to invite somebody. And so when the Word tells us Jesus calls the Comforter Parakletos, He's saying the Holy Ghost is going to call your name. The Holy Ghost is going to call your name, and then para, He's going to come alongside you. Now that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So parakaleo and parakletos mean essentially the same thing. Your name is called. Somebody calls you summons you, invites you to either come alongside them or they saunter up to you and get right alongside you and call you by your name. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, when you got saved, Jesus called your name. He didn't say, hey, you. He said, hey, Jeff, Sue, Bob, Jane, Jim. It says, he knows us by name. And he called us. And when he called us, he said, I'm calling you because I want to come up alongside you. I want to get in your mess and help you through it. I want to get into your life and walk through it with you. So that's the idea. Get this now. Since that's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, one of the ministries already the Holy Ghost has eased up to you in this service and has more than likely encouraged you. That's what encouragement is all about. The encourager says, hey, Jim, can I come and stand alongside you and help you walk through this? That's the idea. The Holy Spirit does that. That's what he does. How many of you can say, this week, the Holy Spirit has encouraged me? Amen. You were in some perplexity. You were feeling heavy about something. You were experiencing doubt or you were in some kind of a trial and all of a sudden, you are not alone. And the Holy Spirit came up alongside you, called your name, said, I'm going to walk through this with you. Now, since that's his ministry, the comforter, we as the church are called to partake of the same thing with him because he's living inside of us. And you know what? Since he's living inside of us, he's always wanting to do through us what he does anyway. What does he do anyway? All day, every day, he's encouraging people. But when he's inside of you, he's going to be wanting to manifest through you, to reach out to others through you and do what he does anyway through you. So we're all called to encourage one another. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially as you see the day approaching. Everybody in here is anointed of God to call out to people by name and come alongside them and say, you know what? You're not going to walk through this alone. Bear ye one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ, says Galatians. The Bible says, for instance, that one of the purposes of New Testament prophesying is to encourage 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, He that prophesies speaks edification and encouragement and comfort to men. When God speaks through somebody, it may be corrective, but it's always going to be encouraging as well. He's going to encourage you. The Apostle Paul gave instruction to the local church leadership regarding how they were to conduct meetings. And he said, Until I come, give attention to reading, to encouragement, and to doctrine. When you come together, read the Bible out loud like we just did and encourage one another 
and then teach what the Bible says. So one of the purposes of local church is that we would sharpen one another and encourage one another. We're not called to meet together to gossip and slander and tell somebody else's business or look at somebody's new dress or new suit. We are called together regularly that we might encourage one another, sharpen one another. That's one of the reasons for local church. That's why when people tell me, oh, I go to church on television. No, you don't, because that person on the screen doesn't know your name. They can't come up to you side by side and say, let me encourage you. Now, if you can't make it to church, that's the next best thing. But God wants you to encounter people with skin on them. Amen? So a personal visit from Paul. You read the Bible always. When Paul came, he would always encourage you. Acts eleven twenty three. when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and exhorted or encouraged them. And look what he encouraged them, that with purpose of heart, they should continue with the Lord. Sometimes all we need is for somebody to say, come on, get up, continue on with God. Don't put up the white flag. Don't quit. Don't give in, but get up. Come on. That's one of the purposes of church. The other disciples were exactly the same way. Acts 15, 32, and Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, encouraged the brethren with many words. They were very verbose in their encouraging of people and confirmed them. Paul's sometimes traveling companion, Barnabas, was known as the son of encouragement. I'll tell you, you could do worse than that. Who are you? I'm the son of encouragement. I'm the son of encouragement. So that when they see you coming, they don't say, oh, me. They say, amen. Because they know you're going to encourage them. You know, some people you're thrilled to see them walk through the door. And other people you want to see the door. You never feel that way about an encourager. Encouragement puts the winds in the sails of the discouraged and propels them forward. The the healing balm of encouragement is God's antidote to paralyzing discouragement. What is discouragement? It's courage that was dissed. You used to have courage, but something happened. Now you're discouraged. But encouragement gets the diss out of your courage. I just made that up on the spot. All right? One of the Old Testament descriptions of encouragement paints a beautiful picture. Listen to this. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Can you just picture golden apples in a silver frame? And that's what encouragement looks like to the receiver. Beautiful. I love this one, Proverbs 15, 23. Everybody enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The right word at the right time is the word of encouragement. You can't go wrong with encouragement. I'm going to tell you, honestly, before God, I owe a lot of my ministry to two people that God put in my life when I was 18 years old. And they became huge encouragers to me, told me constantly, Jeff, God's got a call on your life. God's going to use you. And I couldn't believe that. But I thought so little of me, and I couldn't believe it. But here's these two major encouragers. And to this day, we just spent some time with them. They're in their 90s now. 
and we just spent some time with them. What did they do? God's going to use you, Jeff. God's got his hand on your life. Get ready for expansion, said the woman. And they've been that way for 40 years in my life. Encouragers. The Bible says, careless words stab like a sword, but the words of wise people bring healing. And encouraging words are always healing words. You know, one thing I've learned through the years, seriously, is the incredible power of words. I think most people don't realize that you have a major weapon in between your two sets of teeth. It can either be a blessing or a cursing. It can ruin a life or make a life. I have seen through the years, one stabbing, critical, careless word can literally turn a person's life in the wrong direction. You're stupid. You're so dumb. You don't have any talent. You're a waste of time. And something in them collapses. The power of words. Conversely, one uplifting, encouraging word can turn a person's life in a positive, constructive direction. Just one word, one word of encouragement at the fork of a road in their life can cause them to go the right direction. I'm serious. Some destructive words are like hammers that instantly shatter a person's self-esteem and self-worth. Other destructive words I have observed go down into a person's soul and they accumulate and they manifest later down the road. And when they manifest, that spouse walks out. A child runs away. A friend disappears. And the person that's been speaking the negative words gets out of their lazy boy and says, how in the world this happened? Well, turn off ESPN and think about it. What happened is... Their love slowly died, joy was extinguished, and loyalty dissolved away in the toxic acid of destructive, critical words. We don't understand the power of words. I was visiting a couple one night in their apartment many, many, many years ago. They had just gotten married, and I had known them for years. A guy that actually went back into my days in drugs, and he had gotten saved. But right in front of me, he criticized her. He made a joke at her expense that was rough. And as young as I was in God, I had a word of wisdom on the spot. His marriage is doomed. I said, why, Lord, is his marriage doomed? Because he said what he said in front of you, and that is a harbinger of things to come if he doesn't get a hold of his words. See, you can't criticize people in your house ad infinitum without one day the whole thing rattling, shaking, and collapsing. Now, let me tell the opposite, because the opposite is very good news. You show me a happy marriage, or you show me a long-term fulfilling friendship, or you show me a good child-parent relationship, and I guarantee you that part of that relationship has been positive, uplifting words. Encouragement is the sunshine that makes a soul bloom like a spring rose. Now, sometimes, I know what you're thinking, You say, well, Jeff, sometimes we do need to say something corrective. You do. But you're never to say something corrective in a condemning, contemptuous, castigating, demeaning manner. Because that's not what Jesus does to you. How did Jesus talk to you last time you failed? Did he come up to you and say, well, you stupid idiot. I should have known. Isn't this always the story with you? You just can't get it right, can you? I'm wasting my grace and time on you. Did he say anything like that? No, he said... Repent, I'll forgive you. 
I'll stand you back on your feet. I love you. My love hasn't diminished. I'm for you. Come on, get up. I'm behind you. It hasn't changed my love for you one bit. Isn't that what he says? Come on. Well, we need to realize the power of the tongue. People can tame all kinds of animals, James said. You can tame birds, reptiles. I don't know how you tame a fish, but that's what he says. You can tame fish. I didn't know that. Come here, come here, Goldie. I didn't know you could do that. But he said it. Now, that's just free. I'm just tossing that out. People can tame all kinds of animals. Well, you can tame orca, can't you? Dolphins. So he's right. The Word of God's right. All right. (laughs) I just had a revelation on the spot. Now, but no one can tame the tongue. You can't tame your tongue. The Holy Ghost can tame it, but you can't. It is restless and evil, and oh, it's full of deadly poison, your tongue. He says, with it, we praise our Lord and Father, and then we turn right around and curse those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Now, God desires all of his children to be really good at encouraging. And I'm sharing this message in hopes that you don't just walk out and say, well, that was a good word. He sweated a lot. That was a good word. Good word, Pastor Jeff. But James says, if you go out and forget it, you've deceived yourself. We need to hear this and let it change us. Now, there's three powerful facts or truths on the power and need for encouragement. And let me just share them with you quickly. One, encouragement helps keep the believer from drifting from God. Hebrews 3, 12 to 13, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But look at the antidote, but encourage one another annually. Oh, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. What does it say? How often? Some of you think I'm supposed to do this Christmas and Easter. Like the guy that comes up every year and pats me on the back and says, you bless me every Easter, Pastor. And then I never see him again for another year. Well, I didn't bless him too much or he'd be back the next Sunday, right? Now watch. He says, encourage one another daily while it is called today. That means during the age of grace, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now notice that he says we should be encouraging one another not weekly, not monthly, not sometimes, but all the time, daily. Who'd you encourage last week? Who'd you encourage last week? Come on, get up. You can do it. Let's go on in God. Come on. I called to encourage you. Came over to encourage you. Walked up to you to encourage you. Now, why does he say we need to do this? He tells us clearly, lest any of you depart from the living God. And then he tells us how this drifting can happen. Here's how it happens. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Wow. Everybody in this room is in a battle with sin. Oh, yes, we're redeemed. Yes, we have the Holy Ghost, but we've still got flesh. And every one of us this week battled against some kind of temptation to sin. If you're exempt from that last week, I want to meet you. I want you to lay hands on me. Now watch this. Sin, he's telling us, is always deceitful. Sin is always deceitful. That's how sin 
wins so often because it's deceitful. I don't care how good it looks, how promising it appears, how justified it may seem. Sin always leaves you weeping in ashes of regret. Always. Now, let me give you a newsflash. At the moment of temptation, the devil never shows his hand. He holds his cards close to his demonic chest. He never tells you about the end of what he's presenting to you. The end results, the end consequences, he never tells you. He'll never do that. He never reveals consequences. He only reveals false benefits. That's it. He never reveals the consequences. If he did, nobody would do it. His expertise is in getting you to focus on the immediate gratification of his proposition and disguising the whole time the long-term consequences of his offer. He's never going to let you see the tears, the regret, the wreckage, the ruin. He's never going to show you that. He's only going to show you what's up front. Hey, if you'll do this, I promise you, you'll be fulfilled, you'll be happy, you will have found your niche in life, you're going to benefit somehow, some way from it, and it's always a lie. There's never a sin that there's not a promise attached to it. And the promise is a lie. Because sin always promises what it cannot perform. It assures you a pleasure that it never imparts. It leads you further than you ever intended to go. You thought you would go from A to B and suddenly you find yourself at Z. And you wake up one day and you how did I get here? Because that's sin. Sin always takes you further than you wanted to go, than you ever thought you would go, than you ever thought you could go. The person who commits sin is always under the delusion. They're going to benefit in a positive way, but it's all a lie, which is why the Bible calls it the deceitfulness of sin. Now, he says encouraging one another helps battle the believer to win over the deceitfulness of sin. It always is a lie. Listen, no drug addict ever saw their days lived out in misery and enslavement when they first ate of that forbidden fruit. If they could have seen where they were going to wind up in five years, ten years, one year, they would have put that stuff down and fled. But the devil didn't show them that. The devil just said, do it and you're going to have some fun. No alcoholic foresaw the day when they would lose their job, lose their career, their dream, their family, all their self-respect when they first put the cursed bottle to their lips. No young person ever imagined when they first began hanging around with the wrong crowd that they would one day be looking through prison bars at a ruined life. Oh, no, no. The devil just says, go on with them. They're not so uptight. They're not like church people. They have fun. And you hook up with the wrong crowd. Well, that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed the message and that you're inspired to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ more than ever before. And in case you haven't heard, Life Talk has a brand new website we'd love for you to visit. Just log on to lifetalkradio.us. That's lifetalkradio.us. From there, you'll be able to listen to today's message just as you heard it. And you can also order copies of today's and previous radio messages. And you can access the podcasts of all of our messages as they were delivered at Turning Point Church. 
And last but not least, you can partner with us in giving. Life Talk is a listener-supported outreach. We believe God has called us to carry His Word to the world. If you would like to help make that happen, just click on the Giving tab on the lifetalkradio.us website, and it will tell you exactly how to go about helping. Help us reach the nation by staying connected to Life Talk. And join us next time as we continue with part two of the message, How to Encourage One Another. Until then, I pray God's rich blessings be yours. How to Encourage One Another is the second message of Pastor Jeff's series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Encouragement in Discouraging Times, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.